Hello, and welcome to the UW Product Management Podcast. My name is Nick, and I'll be chatting with both students and professionals in product management to gain some insights into the different parts of the role and how you can get into it. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, what are you up to these days? Um, you UW before? Yeah. So I'm Shifumi. I attended UW for electrical and computer engineering. Uh, I graduated in the year of 2017, so I was class of 2017. I was actually in the electrical engineering program. Um, so while I was here, I did like different types of co-ops. So I spent my early co-ops strengthening my technical skills as a you know software developer. I worked a couple uh, roles as a dev. I did front end. I did just general software engineering. And it was it was okay. It just gave me like a good insight. It's like okay, do you know what? This is what it takes to build something. But I wanted to do something different, and I didn't know what that was. And so uh, I'd always had this idea. So I, I like solving problems. Like, I think I describe myself as a problem solver. I see something, and, you know, I try to find ways to, you know, make it better just generally. And so I had a problem while I was going through Waterloo, especially since I'm an international student. And the transition into U Waterloo wasn't as smooth. And the result of that was... Uh, myself and a bunch of my friends seriously struggled uh, with first year. So a lot of my friends actually ended up failing out and starting again. Some ended up, you know, dropping out or going to a different program or going to a different school. And it's something that was very close close to me because I was also almost uh, one of the people who would not have made it to 1B. So I really wanted to solve that problem. So I, I, it was in my mind for a while. And it wasn't until my 3A term where... I made the decision. Well, technically, I made the decision like after to be that I'm gonna make. I'm gonna take an e-coop term. So an e-coop term is an enterprise co-op term where the the university gives you time to work on your own startup. And I made that decision while I was in to be that I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna work on the startup. This idea. So you know, no student has to struggle with you know passing. I was trying to figure out what the problem was. And going through that process, I just realized this is like a long, no, <laughs> long. Tell me about yourself. No, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I I looked to solve that problem, took a term off to figure it out, and that is sort of what my first introduction into product management was. Like I didn't know um, that it was product management that I was doing. I was just sort of trying to figure everything out: the development, the design, talking to customers, pitching, talking to investors, doing marketing. And I really enjoyed it. That's still my best ever experience. Like I wasn't making any money, but I had such a great time. And even when I went back to school and I realized that the startup didn't work out, it was called PAVE, and it was a time management tool for students to improve and enhance their productivity. Um, I went back to school and I was like, I wanted to do something similar, which is when I learned about product management. And then since then I've taken um, more of the product manager route. And I'm currently a product manager at a company called Ecobee. We make smart home devices. So that's my little spiel. Tell me about yourself. I'm actually curious. So, what were like the biggest problems of transitioning, like in terms of from the international student perspective? I just think the way we're taught was different. Because um, you're in a whole different country. Like, I came from Nigeria. Some of my friends came from Ghana, other places as well. It's just a different style. I mean, we did do one year of high school here, but it didn't really, well, some of us, not all of us, it didn't really prepare us. Um, for what the world of life was going to be. Um, it was it was a lot of class. It was a lot of content that we hadn't been exposed to before. And that was the first time I was ever taking a programming course. 
um, and then physics was, I don't understand why the physics was that hard. Like I still, like physics in high school was not a problem for me. I wrote physics Olympiad a while back, I was in Nigeria, but it was just different. And I was like, wow, this is so much harder than, than I expected it to be. And then, and then you're in an environment where, you know, no one's trying to hold your hand and no one's trying to tell you to do all these things. You're supposed to just like be disciplined and do all that. So it's challenging to, you know, for a 17 year old to try and figure all that stuff out and trying to remain um, steady. So I think that was the biggest issue with, with transitioning. Um, but eventually uh, with Waterloo and anyone that's going through any form of like stress, like it gets better. You sort of, you sort of understand the system and you understand how to get by. That's awesome. You also kind of like nicked some of my other questions by just that, so that's good. You like covered the how did you get into the product management one, right? Yeah. All right, cool. I can touch on that a little bit more because I think okay. there's still like that was just like at a high level. Just want to just give a quick intro, but I will okay. dive deeper into that. So, um, in trying to get into product manager, I wasn't actively trying to. I wanted to become a product manager. So what happened was, I was in this co-op term, and. It was an e-co-op term. I didn't really have a plan. I was just it was just me, and I was lucky enough to get a friend of mine who was in first year nano. He's actually graduating today. He's the person that I went for his graduation. Shout out to DK, case if, if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, so uh, he was going to use his first co-op term to also work with me. So it was just me and one other co-op. And we we're going to build an iOS and an Android app, you know, in four months. And I also had a couple friends working and working with me on the side. So I was sort of trying to like coordinate everything, like oh, how do you figure things out? Like how do you plan the work they're supposed to do? When does the design happen? And so throughout that journey, I went out on campus and I spoke to customers, or I say customers now, I spoke to students, so those were my customers every day. Like I went out and told them about my idea, trying to validate it. And in that process, I met a lot of people along the way. A lot of people were like, hey, I like what you're doing, I wanna work with you. I didn't have any money, I didn't have any funding at that time. So I was just trying to paint this vision for them. And I kept on doing that. I, and I kept on be getting better. And I found people coming to, uh, we, we had a space in the, the community tech at that time, coming to the space and spending time with me and working with me and talking through all these ideas. And I just really enjoyed working with different people who had different skills. And it was my job to make sure like we all, you know, we're all productive in some sense. And we all, you know, have this, you know, uniform goal that is very clear. And even though, like, I don't think I did it right. Like, a lot of people who I spoke to, even after in retrospect, were like, actually, for me, you actually didn't know what you were doing. But I think that's part of the journey. And me realizing that is like, you know, there's the potential to just think about how far you've grown. So all that, all those activities, I really enjoyed. It was, it was, it was, it was also the summer term. So, you know, I went in every day, nine o'clock, came in and left at like six every day or, or later. Um, I didn't like work absolutely crazy hours. I mean, sometimes we work when we get home, but it was just like a good, fun family vibe, and I really, really enjoyed that. So when I then went back to school, we eventually built the app. So uh, it was great that we were able to finally have a finished product released on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store, and we felt proud. But then the biggest challenge was then how do you get users, and that was something that I I never stopped to think about um as a pm like i'm getting better now and you know and you sort of like have ways to figure that out but i was just focused on the building aspect and there are different kinds of pms and we can touch on that a little bit more but i was just focused on let's build this great product and then people would use it um, and that's like a huge assumption people make there's a lot of things that go into customer acquisition and retaining customers 
Uh, so we released it and we didn't get the same. Uh, we didn't get, we didn't see people as excited about it. It was challenging and, and I didn't even know where to start from because I hadn't, this was like a problem that I haven't experienced before. And it was in the school term and I, and I sort of decided that, you know, I don't think the amount of effort I need to put in here to grow it wouldn't be the same reward. So I decided to like put it on hold. And then I was like, I want to look for a job. And then what job do I want to find? I was like, I want to look something similar to what I did. And that's when I learned about product manager, manage, management. And then, so while I was applying to, on it was called Job Miami, now Waterloo Works. I specifically looked only for PM roles. I applied to only PM roles. I had a strategy. I decided that, you know, I was determined. And that term was great. I had, I had a lot of interviews, I had a lot of offers, and I ended up going to Microsoft uh, in Seattle or Redmond, should I say, uh, to work on the Smart Connector Peripherals team on Windows. And then that's when I had like a big shocker. That's when I learned how to do product manager properly. Because a lot of things that I came in with the wrong assumption. So there I was able to get the education of being a product manager in the hard way. Like it wasn't always smooth, but I was taught the things like, you know, this is not what you do. This is what you do. And then sort of that started my product manager career. After that, I went to Apple uh, doing a similar role, iPhone product operations in California and Cupertino. And after that, I came back to Canada, same, same story, always wanted to be a PM. I already knew it was clear to me what my strengths were. And then I looked for uh, a PM job and I got Ecobee. So Ecobee makes smart home devices, like I said, and I'm currently a product manager there and I and I lead the software development for Thermosat Thermosat products. So I work with our mobile web uh, embedded server data science teams to build experiences for our customers. So you mentioned there that you went into Microsoft with some maybe assumptions that were wrong that you sort of, I guess, learned from. So do you know like any of those things that you remember sort of you thought and then that were changed as you were in Microsoft? Yeah, so, okay, the nature of the, the team that I was at at Microsoft, so at that time we were trying to come up with um, the Amazon Echo competitor. So Windows wanted to invest, they were investing a lot in um, technologies to help propel them into the smart home space. So it was, the projects were still in stealth mode, they were still trying to figure things out. So I came into the assumption of, hey, you need to talk to customers, that's the only way. And I was not allowed to talk to customers. And um, it was stressful for me because I felt like customers were the biggest, you know, input for where you can get information, but that's not always the case. You know, you can get, you could talk to customers indirectly. You know, that's what I learned. And by learning about the market and learning about trends and learning about technologies, you can actually do so much, uh, which is what I sort of had to change my mindset on. Uh, another thing that I also uh, learned was, you know, proper iterative development. So while we're working on paper, it was sort of like, you know, we know what we need to build and this is like sort of like how we do and we go through it. And uh, when I spec'd out the project that I wanted to work on, it was very tight with the resources that I had. Uh, the best experience I could ever, I could possibly build was so close to the end of my internship that they wouldn't give enough time to test and iterate on that. So that was another thing that I had to think about. And I think this is what a lot of product managers struggle with right now. A lot of product managers that I've met, that I've met a very blue sky. You know, this is what the vision is. This is three years, five years from now. And that's great, but you need to be able to think about what you can do for your customers today. And product managers who can't do that and be excited about that and get, you know, their teams excited about what you can do today, what you can build in the next three months, then you need to make sure that you're focused on that. You, you can still paint that vision, which it's very clear. But I ended up working on, because I was so held on my vision, I ended up feeling like I was working on uh, 
you know less satisfactory portion of it like just like a proof of concept that this one this is what I, I i just had to do to just like make this internship work versus going with the mindset and it's like half mindset then is half planning because i think when you know you have like a limited amount of time and you know you need to account for these certain things then the way you would approach the strategic way you approach the features that you want to build will be totally different and the things that i would have done earlier versus like later on um, so that's like I learned a bunch of that. I learned about planning and things. Learned about like thinking about today versus just you know going in the future and thinking out loud. Um, yeah. So that was, that was like the biggest takeaway from from Microsoft for me. How would you explain sort of what product managers do to someone who doesn't really know much about the role? Because I think it is a role that's less defined as something of like development, right? Yeah. So the way I explain it to people uh, when they ask, "Hey, for me, what do you do?" I always tell them in simple terms that. I figure out why we need to build it, why, what, and how, right? Those are the three things that I always talk about. Like, I figure out why we need to build this. So this is making the case for the customer and the business that, you know, I think this is a great opportunity. This is what the user experience is going to be like. This is what the user benefits are. This is how it ties back to business value, whether it's making people more engaged or, you know, learning from that experience to build upon another experience or where there's monetary value where people are paying for your physical products so that is like the why and then the what is this is what we're going to do like showing the tangible and painting that vision of this is what translates to the why this is how we can match these two things together that if we build this that these this these things would occur um, so then talking about the details of the technical feasibility and, you know, this is how it's going to work, sort of like the user flows, uh, user interactions, like, you know, the different platforms that they'll, 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 get bid on, they'll get built upon or the interactions that they'll have, and then the how. And I think this is where some other product managers struggle, the ones that don't have a technical background. Actually, that's, that's unfair. I think some people without a technical background can also excel in the, in the how. We build this, but I found that some people struggle with that because the how is then figuring out the you know the details about like okay what is what is the backend architecture going to look like how do you architect this stuff how do you build this model um, if you're doing some uh, machine learning stuff like what is the mobile experience going to look like uh, and how do you work with all those developers to tie everything together what is the server piecing how do you what is the schema for the API design and how do you bring all these teams to work together. And also going going further with things like marketing and customer support, uh, extra. So those are the things that when you that's like the details of what you can get done. So to just summarize, I'll always say you know what to build, why sorry why we build, why to build something, what we need to build, and then how we need to build it. So you're in charge of that, and then the extra step is ensuring you do anything and everything it takes to make that vision come alive with the team that you have at your disposal. Typically, you might not have might not have enough resources, but you need to figure that out. And you know, why don't you have resources? Can you work with, with the ones that you have? How can you build in a way that you can still deliver the same value that you thought through with your why? Um, so that's how I'll describe it. You mentioned there are different types of PMs. So can you maybe like go through just a high level what you think those differences are? Um, so I think for me, and this is just this is just personal, and this is just based off of the people that I've worked with. Um, the strategic PMs. These are PMs who actually spend time, you know, do a lot of market research, user research, customer research, validating like the value proposition. And then they sort of come up with like a strategy or a plan for, hey, this is what we need to do. So maybe figuring out the why, why and what. 
um, and then they stop there and then they continue to do that. And that process is typically long, um, very, very research driven, very strategic. Um, so there's those kinds of PMs and those kind of PMs are very, very special and they're, they're very important because they help innovate. Um, they're the ones that really think through, you know, how can we move from where we are today? How can we find new opportunities? So those PMs are very essential for growth. Um, they might not be as focused with like the current experience. Maybe they'll touch on this a little bit, but they're thinking maybe like one or two years in advance uh, or three years in some degrees to try and vet, you know, where the industry is going, you know, where's technology leading us to? Should we go through this approach? Should we go through this approach or that approach? So just finding different finding differences in, in opportunities. The second kind of PM I'll say is uh, a delivery PM. So sometimes they might not focus on the why and what versus you know things that are sort of like specked out and then they figure out the how. So these are sometimes like technical product managers, regular product managers, the roadmap is sort of defined or the what and the why is defined and then they have to figure out the how and how do they plan this accordingly with their team, with their resources, and then it's working with the developers to unblock them, um, making sure that, you know, the requirements are communicated in different ways to different people. So when the person is working with the designer, the person who has to communicate with the designer to make sure they understand and they're designing the right experience. And when they're talking to the developers, they know how to speak the developer's language. They know uh, what, how to communicate with that person to ensure that the work gets done. Um, so that's like focused on delivery and making sure they're in the day-to-day -day of how these things are built, how is it gonna be tested, how, is it gonna, how are we gonna release this? Uh, so working with the technical teams. So there's those two different ones. There are people who do both, where they, they spend some of their time thinking about strategy and then spend some of their time thinking about delivery. So those those are definitely unique. It's definitely not easy to do. It's one of the most challenging things um, to really balance both, uh, which is why some companies actually spread them out. Like they separate them. That You're either on the strategic track or you're on the del delivery track. So it really depends on uh, where you work. And they're also more like product owners too, but I don't consider them product managers. Uh, if anyone is a product owner, no offense or any <laughs> much other offense, but I don't consider them product managers because it's more about, I didn't really spend time with like the roadmap and all that, at least from the definition of what I understand it to be, I might be wrong, um, but they don't, they don't really figure out like the roadmap, the roadmap is sort of given to them and they sort of manage the team and the rituals and the sprints, etc. So that sort of things like happen. So those are the, the three different types. And I think there are other types where you can be specifically for um, for a client or a customer, but I don't really need to get to that because I think it's, it can be broken down to those two things. So whether you're working with a client or with customers, it's still, you're either figuring out the strategy or you're actually helping them build build stuff. So that's how I'll describe the two, two, three, four different types of product. Look, I just learned something. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I hope. I hope. I hope this is valuable. Yeah. Well, now I think that I definitely feel like what I'm doing right now at Blackberry is much more strategic. Because if I'm gonna be honest, before I like kind of thought that delivery, since I did that for a club, was like sort of the main part of product, and that this was sort of just like something else. But now it's like sort of you've like made it clear that's like these two separate things a bit. But like obviously they're like focusing on different parts of the product lifecycle. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's challenging. It depends on the company. So a lot of companies that I talk to, there's some companies that literally just want you to focus on working with the developers because they need someone to speak the developers' language, and that's that's a that's a lot. It's a full time job to make sure that every day the developers know what they need to do. They they're unblocked. They're productive. That that is a lot of responsibility. And then if you want to add 
being strategic and thinking about the future. It was, it's challenging doing both. Like I, I do both at Ecobee, and I know for sure like I'm very stretched thin. Uh, I is either I don't find enough time to think and be strategic, or I don't have time for uh, delivery. So what what I do or what we do at Ecobee is uh, we use our OKRs, like we follow objectives and key results. So I split thirty percent of my time doing more research, strategic thinking, and then I do seventy percent um, delivery. Because uh, I do think it's very valuable working with developers, but I always make sure I have one or two OKRs specifically for research. Uh, that helps me figure out what I need to build in the future. Uh, so if I do research this quarter, maybe in the next quarter or two, I already have an idea of, okay, you know, this work is going to keep developers busy for the next six months. So I need to just like, you know, move that around. So what do you think would distinguish a good product manager from a really great one? Um, okay, I'll talk about great PMs. Right. Um, so what I'll define as a great PM is someone who, number one, is very user-centric. Like they know the reasons why they're doing things and they are a working embodiment of what that is. Like when you speak to this product manager, all your questions are answered. You already know what you need to do. You're aligned with the vision. And next thing is being able to rally people around and get people excited. That is super important. Because no matter what, even though you're the smartest person and you know what you're talking about is right, if you can't get people excited about it, if you can't paint the vision, if you can't be like, hey, I've done all this research, I think this is going to work, maybe, maybe not, but here, this is the reasons why I think we should do this. Because sometimes you're dealing with like unknown territory where you're working on something totally new or novel and that hasn't really been done. And you need to make sure the team is super excited about it so a great PM knows how to you know, interact with every single person on the team and know what they like and then appeal to them based off of the work that they have to do and make them excited about the things that they have to do. And there'll be times where the team morale is low or people still ask and question, why are we doing this? But the person is there all the time to make that case for, hey, this is why this is why we come in here every morning and do what we do. So that's like a great PM, a great communicator. Building relationships is super easy. It's like second nature because as a, as a PM, you're only as good as the team around you. So if your team is like doesn't feel like they can fight for you, they wouldn't. And if you have if you build a team around yourself that you know whatever it is that you do, even if like they're not convinced with the vision, but they're like, hey, you know what, Nick is an awesome PM. I'm not sure this is gonna work. I don't know if users want this, but I know I trust Nick, and he's gonna do it. He's gonna make sure everything is great. And then yeah, so someone that speaks for their team, because then you also have to shield the developers shield the developers from any external things that would affect them being able to like take that blame and responsibility whether you do good or do bad and just setting a bar for performance for your for your products for how you want to work those are the things that bring like what a great pm is together user-centric understands what needs to be done like really really focused on users and data communication managing relationships making sure that you're you understand how to communicate to different people and appeal to different things and uh, what was the last thing I said? Can't remember. But yeah, most of, most of those things. Are, yeah, setting the bar for the experience that you want. Like this is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna ship. This is how we're gonna test. Uh, so that that I would define as as a great PM. Obviously, we're gonna have a lot of students sort of listening to this type of podcast. I went to like a coffee chat for UWPM, and one of like the biggest questions people always ask is like, how do I get into this, right? Because it's not so clear as like development where you work on some side projects, you can put that on your resume and like yeah. get some interviews, right? So do you have any advice for people that would be looking to maybe get into PM? 
So I'm actually, I'm, I'm just going to do a plug real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually working on a project right now that is supposed to help people with this with this problem, which is um, how do you transition into product manager? So I'm doing a project with my friend, Helen Huang. Um, so we're telling stories of how people transition into uh, the, product, the current product manager role. So we're trying to write a book about this. And then we also have a podcast. Uh, it's called Doing a Thing. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. Uh, link in the description. Yes, it will <laughs> I'll, be. Yeah. I'll send it to Nick. But yeah, so we've been talking to a lot of PMs. I think we've spoken to over 30 PMs right now. And the book is going to be about like their transition. Like what we ask questions about their educational background. So first things first is you don't need a particular education, education educational background to be a product manager. Then we talk about the things that the major events that happened till they transitioned to their product manager role. Like what job did they have first? Why did they do that? Why did they leave that job? And then we talk about how they grow. Uh, so now I'm going to answer the question. The thing is, the reality is, it's absolutely very challenging to become a product manager. It's very competitive, and it's a role where you typically need a lot of experience. Because, just to give you an example, if you work at a regular startup, on average, if you're trying to ship a product, which maybe takes like six months to a year to build, that is going to cost the company approximately like at least a hundred grand. Let's say even if people aren't really getting paid like seriously versus you know you're leading projects worth millions of dollars so giving someone a hundred thousand dollars is a huge responsibility being able to say you know i need this pm to work on this project you know that cost that's going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars that needs to happen and that's a lot of risk so you need to make sure that you need to de-risk that to the employer as much as possible so there are two things about going into um, going into a pm role number one, two things two problems you need to solve number one if you don't have the skills, you need to figure out all the skills to get uh, to get into a product manager role. So, what are the skills that you need? You need to be able to ship a product. Like that is, like you can't be a product manager without having to ship without shipping any product. You can, but it's extremely difficult. You need to be able to show how you work with people and how you um, the life cycle. The you need to be able to visualize, help people visualize how you bring something into life that isn't just theoretical. Because you can read so many books and be like, hey, this is how you would actually create a product but it's nothing like doing that so you need to find opportunities to be able to do that find opportunities to work with people real people on real projects that have real outputs impacts and implications doing that so that's like the first thing that you need to do up your skills so if you're if you're sitting across from someone saying you know i want to be a product manager of your company this is why they can look at you and be like okay you have all these skills and number two you need to be able to solve the problem of how do you convince someone to Get to hire you as a PM without any experience. I think like whatever skills that you brought up would also help with that. And then it comes across as, you know, how do you then package yourself? How do you build a brand across the, the way you think and matching that with the core values of the company or what the companies are doing? So I think that would be the biggest selling point. But honestly, the easiest way that I would say, if you can grab a friend who is a designer or a developer and come together and work on a project, not just like a hack project that you want to do over a weekend you need to work in it for a while you need to talk through the you need to talk about the process like how did it, how did the vision come up like what is what are the design processes like what were the sprints like and then what would, how did you work with the developers what challenges did you face i'm telling that as a story and then you can use you can write there's so many things that you can use to write medium etc um putting that up documenting your process and all the way to get to the, the to the user and i think what helped me was the project that I work on with, with uh, on my e-corp term PAVE because I got to the point where I, I just launched a product. We didn't grow it. We didn't have a ton of users. I think we had like maybe 500 users at max. That's not a lot at all. 
but I was able to communicate like all the steps and all the struggles throughout the design struggles, you know, releasing it, you know, making trade-offs with, uh, with developers, you know, working with different teams and different people. That is what, that's what is, what, that is what is going to get people to listen to you. And as long as you can build those skills and understand how that contributes to your experience, I think that will be extremely valuable. Um, so one thing that I would advise um, people who um, want to go into PM is stay close to the technology. And by, by saying that, I mean, don't see being a PM as escaping from being, from becoming a developer. So I hear this a lot where people say, I don't like to code, that's why I want to be a PM. Or the misconception of like, I like to tell people what to do. You know, I want to be, because with PM, with the PM role, you lead without authority. You're not going to be telling people what to do. People ask you, what do I need to do? So yes, you have teams that you foresee and you lead, you lead different product teams, like in some cases, but it's not like, oh, you're my developer. You have to do whatever I say. You never think about it like that. And people who think about it with that mindset, I guarantee you, you will not, you will find it very challenging to move forward because number one, you need to end the respect of developers. And that's not something that you get by just, well, oh, I don't like to code or, you know, I just want to tell people what to do. And by, say, by saying staying close to technology, I mean, if you have a technical background, great. That really helps you and it goes a long way. So I would recommend, because based on my experience and what I've seen, the people who have a technical background struggle less than those that don't. Right? Not saying that you need a technical background. I'm not saying that um, there are a lot of very great PMs there that don't have a technical background, but understand technology. Understand how puzzles fit together. Because honestly, what development is, is a puzzle. Right, you have a back end, it connects to something, right? This is what the user sees. If the user clicks click something, it goes somewhere. What is that what what is that where does it go and where does it send back? What does the user expect to see? If there's an error, why? Like you can you can picture it however way you can, but lean on your developers and stay close to technology. Cause if you ever want to transition into the strategic role fully, like completely, you it's very difficult for someone to just give you that, except you want to go into consulting, which is totally different. Um, to give you that strategic thinking immediately. You need to work yourself, work your way up. So being able to understand developers and talk their language is super important. Because develop like product managers are centered around development. Because development is how it gets to the customer. Right. So I've seen people who are like very design focused PMs. Great, but like you still need to be able to understand technology. The technical feasibility of things is super important because I've had people reach out to me. Um, in some cases, they pitch me things that we can't. They can't even build. Like it's not even technically feasible, and it happens at work too. Like you know, I speak to other PMs, and they're like, "Oh, we should do this. We should do this," and I'm like, "Oh, we can't because of these reasons why," and you can see how sad sometimes they get because. It's like you have this idea, you think this is the best thing in the world, but you didn't vet that idea by thinking about, hey, this is how we need to build. Then you end up being disappointed in whatever you can deliver, um, which is why I feel some non-technical people are struggle. Because they're like, oh, the developers are never gonna be able to build my idea. So I mean, like, I went in a little bit of like a ramble, but I would say stay close to technology. Be a PM for the right reasons, not just it's fancy or you know, not understand. Like, make sure you talk to a lot of PMs and understand, which is why I think the book that we're working on will be very helpful. So, on our podcast, like I said, is doing a thing. Like just, uh, and then you can also add me on LinkedIn where I post regularly about um, lessons from product. I post articles about product managers as well as like um, different things. So, definitely like reach out to me. I'm always happy to grab coffee and talk more about 
I've been a product manager. I love it. I've been doing it for over two years full time, like almost three years, like if you count my internships. So I've learned a lot and I there's still a lot to learn. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty much it then. Yeah. I think we've covered a lot of the bases. Really interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to leave some feedback in the comments on how we can make this better. And don't forget to check out UWPM on Facebook for any upcoming events.